I am going to go ahead and let you know that um, in 89, I was like in the ninth or 10th grade. But Forrest was like in kindergarten. He's five, five years old, yeah. And so um, that was a few years ago, but uh, it's, uh, it's neat to see those things. I've actually got also a 1989 um, uh, financial statement and uh, absolutely uh, cracks me up and uh, how things change, of course. And uh, it's a reminder of how of how things change and uh, through life uh, uh, and uh, through the experiences of life uh, and how things, some things remain the same and some things change and uh, change is not always, uh, not always a bad thing. And so um, we certainly, uh, certainly praise the Lord for that. I think often some people say, you know, I, I hear people say, we're going to be in First Peter, by the way. Uh, I hear people say sometimes, you know, I, I just... You know, I wish we could go back to the good old days. And, um, and I often think to myself, okay, what does that mean? When were the good old days? Because if the good old days were back when there was no air conditioning, those days, no, I don't want to go back to, okay? And uh, good old days where the bathroom was outside, yeah, I'm going to pass on those good old days as well. And so some of the things that have come along... Through the years, uh, I'm certainly uh, thankful for and uh, how they have uh, progressed and changed and um, uh, certainly uh, think about sometimes, have you ever thought this way? You ever thought, I wish I could go back and, and do it over and do it better. I'm afraid that I do it worse the second time than, uh, than I did the first time. And so uh, I'm just glad that God... It's kind of like taking a trip. Just glad that God brought us back, <laughs> brought us back safely, uh, because there's a bunch of quacks on the road. I can promise you, and uh, it's it's a blessing to be able to. Uh, we we went up to West Virginia. We went uh, we went the back roads. I just kind of I just like doing that anyways, and it takes just a little bit longer, but I but I enjoy that. On the way home, we came back all the interstate, and by the time I was home, I was so stressed out. Because of the, because of the driving. I mean, it's just. I mean, you absolutely have to be aware the entire time. I mean, they just. I was driving down the road, and I was driving. I won't tell you how fast I was going, but I was driving down the road, and I mean, I was going a pretty good piece, and and uh, I went to get over to pass this person that was doing like 37 miles an hour on the interstate. And uh, so, so I go to pass, and I always look in my mirror, but then I always look over my shoulder just, just to make, make double sure. And so uh, there was like nobody on the road at this point. And so I, I looked in my rearview mirror, or I looked in my side mirror, and I went over my shoulder, and here comes a car. Whoosh! I said, holy smokes. If I'd have got over, it would have been bad for everybody. And that person must have been doing a hundred miles an hour as they went flying by. And, and I thought to myself, you know what? If you're not aware of your surroundings, you're going to get yourself in an accident. And I thought about that in life. If you're not aware of your surroundings, 
Sometimes we get tunnel vision. Sometimes we can only think about what's right in front of us. Sometimes we can't see. You ever heard that? You ever heard that uh, that saying? Can't see the forest for the trees. And sometimes we just can't. Sometimes we just can't see past the right now or past the tomorrow. What are your What are your goals? I don't know. You don't have any goals? I, I don't know. What I mean, what are you, What are you going to do next week? I don't know. How are you going to pay for what you're going to do next week? I don't know. I, that, that's, the, that's the mantra today. I, I, I don't know. How are we going to pay for all the money that we're spending? In, in, you, know, this, you know what we're, we're all about today? I don't care where that money comes from. Just give it to me. Because that's a lot of people's heads today. Thick. That money's coming from somewhere. Somebody's going to pay for that. Oh, all the rich people. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about rich people. They're rich for a reason. They're rich because they're smarter than most people. And they ain't... Not, listen, they, they'll figure out how to not pay, their ta- pay those taxes. They're going to put it in IRAs. They're going to put it, they're going to put it overseas. They're going to do whatever they can. So who's going to pay for it? Somehow. Some way. And you know what we're doing? Just, just, just give me. I just. You know why? Because we can't think past tomorrow, and so often we can't think past next week or or next year. And I, and it's unfortunate we're not aware of our surroundings. And if you're not aware of your surroundings, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And so, in First Peter, we've been talking about our, our enemy. Who is our uh, who is our enemy? It's not the church down the road. It's not, uh, it's not the, 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 the brother or sister uh, in your church. It, it's, it's, it's not a person uh, like flesh and blood. Who is our enemy? Our enemy is the devil. Uh, our enemy in 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, tells us this. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober. <clears throat> be vigilant. He's, he's talking about being serious and being watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. <clears throat> because your adversary... There it is, your enemy. Who is your enemy? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We have a very real enemy. Take your Bibles, go, go, go back with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. We've talked about the devil, we talked about who he is, we talked about what his purpose is, uh, we talked about what he does. He is, he is deceitful. He is destructive. He'll do everything and anything he can. I want you to know something about the devil. He doesn't play by the rules. There's no timeouts. There's no, that's not fair. He doesn't play fair. He wants to ruin you. He wants to ruin our church. 
He wants to ruin our families. He wants to ruin our community. He wants to ruin our relationships. You know, the devil's really, really good at getting, getting in between people. And it's amazing the things we allow to ruin our relationships. They're usually pretty petty. I mean, in the big scheme of things, it's usually pretty ridiculous the things that we hold over other people's heads. Let me tell you what Albert Cliff wrote. He wrote a book, an excellent book. It's called Let Go and Let God. Let go and let God. We need to stop holding on to these things and let go. I've used this illustration on many opportunities. If, if I want to get over to Brother George and I'm holding on to this pew, I got one of two choices. Dismantle the pew, pick it up, and carry it with me. Or I've got to, I've got to let go of it. I'm never going to get there I mean, I can't, I can't reach that far. I can't get that far. So what do I got to do? I've got to let go. And as soon as I let go, it opens me up to be able to move that way. But I'm going to tell you something. We have, we have grasped things in our life. And, and we're holding on to bitterness. And we're holding on to jealousy. And we're holding on to unforgiveness. And we're holding on to all these things. And guess where we're going spiritually? Nowhere. We're stagnated. We don't care. We're apathetic. Why? Because we're not growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're holding on to things that God said to let go. And when we let them go, let me tell you what it does. It frees us. Isn't it something to be free? I'm here to tell you, you are, you are, let me, let me give you, let me give you a, a clue on something. You're spoil rotten. You don't know me, preacher. I don't need to know you. I know you live in the United States of America. I'm telling you, you're spoiled rotten. And if you don't think that, then take a trip overseas. Go to a third world country. Meet some people that have lived in third world countries. Take a trip over to the Middle East. Don't recommend that, by the way. I'm just... Is it different? <laughs> you better believe it's different. It's, it's really different. And let me tell you what we are. We are blessed. I mean, we live in a country that is free. Now, I, I understand. I'm looking at the same thing you are, and I, and I see we're losing a lot of things in our country today. I, I get it. But we still live in a free society. We still live in a free country. And we are free. Listen, spiritually we've been set free. Are you saved? Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him for the forgiveness of your sins? That's why Jesus died. That's why He was buried. Praise God, that's why He rose again the third day. And that's why He's at the right hand of the Father. That's the hand of authority. Matter of fact, when Jesus got to heaven, let me tell you what He did. He sat down. You know what it means to sit down, right? It means to be finished. Sometimes I'll tell you, when I got a lot of things to do and I'm doing a lot of things, and I get home and I said, now I do some things around the house, and then I say, listen, I am done. 
sit in my recliner, take off my shoes. Now, in my house, I can't get in my shorts and t-shirt because there ain't no telling what teenager's going to walk through my, my door. So, so I, I'm fully clothed until about midnight. And so I, I, put my, I put my recliner up and I said, listen, I'm done. I'm finished. Don't ask me to get you a drink. Don't ask me to. I am done. You spill something on the floor, go get the mop. You're going to have to wait because I'm done. When you're finished, you sit down. Listen, Jesus is at the right hand, which is the hand of authority, and he sat down. Why? Because redemption plan is finished. And if you're not saved, I, I beseech you this morning, place your faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and be set free. That's what He's done. He set us free. If the, if the Son has set you free, then you're free indeed. And, and we're spiritually, we're free to live for Him. Spiritually, we're free to honor Him. Spiritually, we're free to grow in Him. See, Jesus Christ has set us free to do all these things. But let me tell you something. We have put ourselves back in bondage when we don't forgive when we become bitter, when we become covetous, when we become jealous, when we can't rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those that weep, when we get mad, when we get angry. If you have awe against your brother, let me tell you what the Bible says. Pick up your sacrifice. That's what the Bible says. This idea of you coming down and, and sacrificing and praying. No, no, no. Get right with your brother first. Take care of the problems that you have with, with the person that you can see. Because don't tell me, this is what the Bible says now, you don't argue with me. and Don't, don't get mad at me, I'm just a messenger. But if you, you can't love the person you can see, how in the world are you going to love someone you can't see? Amen. Amen. Well... You don't understand, preacher. I love God, but I don't, I, I, I don't love my brother, liar. That's Scripture, by the way. And God said that, not me. Because I'm telling you something right now. You, we talk about loving God and loving God and loving God and loving God and loving God, and we're at all with our brother. Let me tell you something. You need to put everything down and go get right with your brother. You need to go get right with your sister. If you have all... And, and by the way, hey, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of things. See this idea that God doesn't hate. Oh, you're wrong. There's things that God hates. There's things that God can't stand. And one of the things that God cannot stand is someone that sows discord among the brethren. That, that, makes, that makes God angry. That's a righteous indignation. It's not the anger that we're angry with, but it's a righteous indignation over somebody that's going to go and talk about their brother. Talk about somebody behind their back. Be mad at somebody or angry at somebody over a perceived fault or a perceived problem that you have with that person. Let me tell you something. Get it right. Because you know what happens when you get it right? You're set free. You're not holding on to it anymore. And when sometimes we grip things, have you ever had to grip something for a long period of time? You ever had to do that? Remember when those things, I, I guess they still have them. Those, I don't even know what they're called, but those, those grip things that have tension on them and you squeeze them, it's supposed to help you with your grip. And you, ever, you ever done that and just, 
You just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And then stop doing it and your hand's like... <sighs> you ever had to hold on to something really long? In the military, they like to do that. They like to make you hold on to things for a really long time where you think, hey, this is... Thanks, bud. Where you think, hey, this is really easy. Let me tell you what they're famous for when I was in. Hold your arms out. You hold your arms out. Flip them over. You flip them over. And, they say, and then they give you a broom handle. Like, oh, that's pitiful. You know, it doesn't weigh nothing. 30 minutes later, tell me how much it weighs. And so all of a sudden, your arms start. You know, spiritually, it's the same way. Sooner or later, you're going to get tired. Sooner or later, you're going to get discouraged. Sooner or later, it's going to begin to affect you. And let me tell you what bitterness does. Let me tell you what unforgiveness does. It spreads like a cancer. And where it only affected a little bit over here, well, that doesn't affect me. And pretty soon it affects your whole life. You ever, you ever been around a miserable person? I mean, they refuse to smile. They, they refuse to laugh. I, 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 love to, I love to say things or tell things and, and look out in the congregation and see people just... Some of y'all aren't laughers, and I understand that. But I, I love it even when I get a smirk. No, at least you're paying attention. Summer. And, and, and we sit out in the congregation and we bless me if you can, preacher. Bless me if you can. You know what we've done? We've determined that we're going to be miserable. We've determined that we're going to be hateful. We've determined that we're going to be mean-spirited. That's a choice. We're making a conscious decision, a constant choice... To be who we are. Because you get to choose. And if you've been set free in Christ and you're, and you're saved and, and Christ has made you free, let me tell you something, you get a choice. You can choose not to allow people to hold things over your head. You can choose to, to walk away. You can choose to use the right words. You can choose to act the right way. Because that's what God has set us free to do. That's what God has set us free to be. And we've got to get a grip and understanding that you are not my enemy. I am not your enemy. Is there things that we do that might aggravate each other? Sure. I bet you there are things that you do that are that if I was to do them, it would be done differently. Vice versa. Right? I mean, there are things that, 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 that occur in my life. For some of you, if something went with, wrong with your car, you'd tinker with it until you got it fixed. There's no point in tinkering. I find a, a, a trusted mechanic, and I take my vehicle to the mechanic. I would rather pay somebody than to spend time I don't, whatever, you can call me whatever you want to, but I don't, li- I, don't like, I don't like to be dirty. I don't like to be smelly. I don't like, I mean, I don't like to, Brother Scott, he made me reach down. He's so mean. He made me reach down. We're trying to put, put, uh, uh, put whatever it's even called, Freon, it's not called Freon, but whatever, into the car to make the air conditioner. Well, the stupid enclave, Things way down in the bottom. So he, he knew it was going to be hot, but he made me stick my hand down there anyways. You know, the, 
He says, is it hot? I said, yes, I was burning my knuckle off. <laughs> Stop being a baby. Just twist it around. He's like, I'm shy, you know. There's no pleasure in that for me. I, none. Zero. When I got done with it, I wasn't like, man, I'm glad I got that. No. Let me say something. It's just easier for somebody else to do it. I'll pay them. We can be different about things, can't we? We can be different how we act about things and how we react about things. But at the end of the day, if you're saved and I'm saved, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We all have different personalities. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you glad? Think about this just for a second. I mean, just really think about this for a second. Aren't you glad that everybody's not just like you? You ought to be. I am. I'm really glad everybody's not like me. I mean, I'm really glad that everybody doesn't have the same gifts that I do and the same struggles that I have. I'm glad that we're all different. And God has made us all different. And He's made us all different on purpose. Because as we, as we are the church, we begin to fit together. The church would really look odd if we were all noses. You imagine a body of all noses? We'd look pretty peculiar. I mean, we look pretty weird. We're already weird enough, aren't we? But you know what? God has made us and talented us and gifted us in different ways. And He didn't make us to fight with one another. He's made us to stand against who our true enemy is. And our true enemy is this roaring lion. This true enemy is the devil. The true enemy is this adversary uh, that, uh, uh, that Ephesians chapter 6 and 1 Peter chapter 5 and, and other places in the Word of God uh, talk about. And so, how is Satan defeated? You ever think about that? How can we defeat the devil? And I'm telling you, we find our answer in the Word of God. We find our answer from God Himself. This idea that we can whip the devil is a silly idea at best. It's a tragic idea at most. Because we are no match for the devil. He's wily. He's, he's deceitful. He is destructive. He's a liar. He's a murderer. And I'll tell you something, church. We better get our eyes wide open. Amen. There are things that our children and our, and our teenagers are facing today that you never had to face. I mean, I hope you realize that. I tell these kids and I tell these young people, I said, let me tell you something. Once upon a time, there was no such thing as a cell phone. Dude, what? No, seriously, when you had to call somebody, when, when my wife and I first started, uh, first started dating, I was in the military, I had to leave the ship and go out onto the dock and go into the thing that Superman changed into. Superman called a telephone booth you don't see them anymore do you i mean very rarely do you see them anymore and when you do they're like like they're like relics people like have them in their house because it's a because it's a relic anymore 
And you had to pick that thing up. I used to have to have a phone card. Remember those phone cards? You had to punch in all these numbers. Let me tell you, when my wife and I started first started dating, I had to take a loan out. It's in the military. I had to take a loan out to pay my phone bill. You, you think it's expensive now? Oh my goodness. You had to pay by the minute. You remember those? And, you, and so these, sometimes these kids don't understand things are different. And sometimes that's good, sometimes not so much. Computers? I remember when I was in school and we had this, we had this computer and we had the internet and I mean, we were, I mean, we were something. We had this computer, we had this internet, and, and literally uh, I had to type papers and all this stuff, and I wrote them, my wife typed them up and, and printed them out, and, and literally you sit down on the computer, you turn the computer on, you go and make a sandwich. Come back and hope that the computer is, is up already. And then, you, and then you go onto the internet, you remember, and you click and you go, and you waited, and you waited. And you took a nap, and then you got up, and then you waited. Now you click a button, and if that little circle thing goes for more than half a second, I, we need new internet. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is taking way too long. Things have changed, haven't they? Now, over the years, and, they, and they'll continue to change. But I'm here to tell you, kids have, kids have access now to things you never had access to. Not, not freely like you do now. I mean, the devil has done a good job at trying to destroy this country. The devil has done a good job at trying to destroy the family. Do you know the family looks so different today than it, than it used to? Things are different today. Do you know, anymore today, people don't have time for family. We just, we just don't have time anymore, preacher. I remember, I've told you before, my wife's family is a big family, and she's, uh, she's kind of like Forrest. You ever talk to Forrest about his family? Everybody in Valdosta is his cousin. Everybody. I mean, he's like, yeah, well, that's my third cousin. I'm like, I don't even know my first cousins. I, I don't understand how you know your third cousin. How does that make you? I mean, we're all cousins. You know, some form, you go back far enough. And, but he's Edward. That's my wife. My wife's the same way. And, and we would, she would take me to these I mean, we'd go to Georgia. Georgia's a crazy state. In case you didn't know that, a bunch of crazy people in Georgia. And uh, we'd go to these, we'd go to these, um, these uh, family reunions. They had them all the time. And I'm telling you, they came from everywhere. And, they, and I just, and she tells me I misremember, and I probably do, but I remember this building that we'd go to with cotton fields all the way around it. And we'd go in there, and they would come from everywhere everywhere. And I'm talking about, you couldn't hardly even move in there. And people in Georgia like to hug. I don't, listen, this is my space and I like my space. There's only a few people that are invited into my space. And so I, and oh, and everybody's your sweetheart. Oh, sweetie, oh, pumpkin pie, you know, all this other stuff. And, and they want to hug you and I'm also over in the corner going, Please, I don't, please, I don't, you know, let's shake hands. That's farther distance away, right? And so, and then they started having these family reunions and less people came. 
And then less people came. And then they were having family reunions that was like, there was hardly anybody there. And so you know what they did? They stopped having family reunions. Probably some of you have experienced the same thing. Things have changed through the years and, and we're busier, or we think we're busier, than we've ever been before. And so we don't have time. And, and here's the problem. And I tell, uh, I tell my aunt of this when we went up there uh, for um, this, this past week and tried to help her get caught up with things. I said, let me tell you something, Anna. She said, Dad, I'm, I'm so busy. I said, let me, hmm, let me clue you on something, sweetie. You're working very part-time. Very part-time. And basically, she's working this part-time. As a matter of fact, she just got on... Photography, so she's so excited. She's an assistant to the photographer up there at the school, and so so she's she's doing what she loves, and she's just doing it for spending money. And so, so I said, let me tell you, let me tell you. She hates this. I said, let me tell you when I was in school. Dad, no, no, let me tell you, Dad, I've already heard it. I said, you want to talk about busy, sweetheart? And I tell her, I I, I tell her the whole thing. I said, listen, I worked. I worked from 2 to 2 every day. I had a 7 o'clock class in school, and I took 17 or 18 hours per semester. And then you go chapel, and then, I mean, then you go and you do it the next day. When we had Saturday, we'd go out and spend 8 hours on the bus route. 8 hours. I don't even remember Kyle's younger years. Are you kidding me? I was so sleep deprived. I was so busy. I, I don't even remember how I got through school. I'm talking about college. I said, sweetheart, let me tell you what the problem is. And here's the problem with all of us, isn't it? It's time management and priorities. Well, listen, Susie lost her phone. That's not you, you taking two hours to help Susie find her phone means you just took two hours from studying from the equation that you need to do. And so that's not what happened. I'm just saying, giving you an example of, of, of what we've got to realize and what we've got to decide what is a priority in my life. And I want to tell you, as a Christian, as a believer, if God is not a priority in your life, you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble. Everything else is going to fall apart. And by the way, if God's not a priority in your life, that means something else is taking priority, and that's all the devil needs to get a foothold. That's all he needs to get in there. And if we're going to defeat him, if we're going to conquer, if we're going to win, if we're going to be victorious over the devil, then Ephesians chapter 6 says that we have got to suit up our armor. Ephesians chapter 6 and in, in, in verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong, Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. You don't want to, you want to know why? Because I'm going to tell you something, it's a fight. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before. But I'm going to tell you something, if you're not prepared, you're going to lose. When the military goes into battle, 
Let me tell you something. They need to be prepared. They need to know their enemy. They need to know their weapons. They need to know their capabilities. They need to know who they are. Because if they don't, they're going to get whipped. Amen. Amen. i tell you, spiritually, if we don't know the devil, if we don't know the weapons, if we don't know what he does, if we don't know how successful he is, if we don't know how powerful he is, if we don't know these things, I'm telling you something, you're going to get whipped spiritually. He's going, he's going to take you out. Look, just, just look around. You know people that used to be in church. You know people that used to be in leadership in church. You know people, and something happened. It's mind-boggling to me, and I don't even have time this morning to go into the fact that it's mind-boggling to me that we allow people to decide our spirituality. We allow people to decide where we're going to go to church. We allow people to decide what we're going to do in life. And we say that we don't, but man, we got mad because Sister Susie said something that hurt my feelings. Well, welcome to the Hurt My Feelings Club. I mean, we're all card-carrying members. I don't know about you, but my feelings have been hurt on multiple occasions. You know what you do? You grin and bear it. And you move on for Christ. Because I'm not going to allow, and I told, I, told my, I told my ordination board. So, I had to stand before these preachers and, and actually... One theology teacher. I had to stand before these guys and they drilled me with all these questions. I mean, you talk about uncomfortable. I mean, I mean, one question after another, after another, after another. Matter of fact, I had to stand up there with my Bible only. I had to answer all these questions. Now, my preacher, I always, I always get on to him. The next person to get ordained was his son. And he did the same thing, except for he had an entire notebook of notes. Like, why, why didn't I get notes? I mean, why? But I had to stand up before him, and I had to give an answer for the hope that lied within me. And I told him, and I said, I said all these things. I said, let me tell you something I'm, I'm never going to do, Lord willing. I'm never going to allow a person or people to decide where I'm going to serve the Lord. You, you'd be surprised at what's been said to, said to this preacher through the years. You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. Some of you would be shocked. Some of you wouldn't. Some of you would be shocked at what's said about this preacher behind his back through the years. Because we have a tendency when we don't like somebody to lash out. He says something or he does something that I didn't approve of. And let me tell you something. I'm going to get me a little group of people. I've had to deal with it through the years. I've just had to deal with it. But guess what? I'm not going to let one mean-spirited person decide what I'm going to do for the Lord. It's not your will. It's God's will. And we've got to put our foot down. We've got to say, listen, God, it's your will, not man's will. So I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to serve where you want me to serve. I'm going to live like you want me to live. I'm not going to allow the devil to decide where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. And so what you need to do? You need to put the whole armor of God on. 
I mean, he talks about helmets. He talks about breastplates. He talks about his feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He said, listen, you, you know, you know what the whole mantra of it is? He's saying, better, you better be ready because the battle's real. It's not flesh and blood, but it's real. It's there. And if you're not ready, those darts of the devil will tear you up. You'll get discouraged. You'll get depressed. You'll get defeated. I mean, the devil's good at what he does. And we better start waking up and realizing that he's the enemy. Not the person next to you. Not the person across from you. Not the church down the road. Not the church across the street. Listen, he's the enemy. And boy, I'm telling you something, church. We're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. We're going to talk about this armor. But you know what the armor's for? It's all for the front. Isn't that interesting? It's the breastplate for the front. It's the feet shot, the shin for the front. It's the helmet to protect, to protect. But guess what? You lose that protection when you turn and run. God doesn't tell us to turn and run. God tells us to stand. Stand. Withstand. But you've got to have the whole armor of God on. The devil can be defeated. You can't do it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. There's never been a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart for, for the forgiveness of your sins. You say, preacher, that's me. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up right back down this morning and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation. Please remember me in your prayers, preachers, or one. Maybe you're here and you're saved. You know Christ is your Savior, but you've allowed the devil to get a foothold in your life. Stand. Stand. Withstand. He's there. He's not going away. He's not going to say, oh, well, I'm just going to leave her alone. I'm going to leave him alone. No. He's going to keep coming. He's going to keep coming. He's going to keep coming. Those fiery darts are going to keep coming, and they're going to keep coming. And they're going to... What do we need to do? We need to put on the whole armor of God. And stand up against the enemy. And you know what we need to do, church? We need to stand up together. As a church. And say the devil is not going to have a foothold in this church. Because we're going to stand for what's right. And we're going to stand in unity. And we're going to stand around doctrine and the word of God. Because when you stand, and you stand with God, and you submit to the Lord, I'm telling you something, the devil will flee from you. Not because of you, because of what God can do in you. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, to piano playing this morning, a hymn invitation. If you need to come for whatever reason this morning, I invite you to come.